What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, behaves! Would you use this to walk out in your uh, big fight? Yeah. 45 at all. From Davis, California. John. What would your nickname be? The, be? the Smooth Skin Stinger. Wait, weighing in at a flabby 182. The Lawnmower 3.0. On his toes. You know, shade over 510. He's all guts. He's all heart and not much talent. From Davis, California, John the Stinger Middlecoff. Something like that, yeah. That was like a stinger, you know, like yeah. quick, quick jab. I'd be known for my jabs, not right. much power. Yep. And not a lot. Like, you got you to gotta try and get a knockout in the first round because you 12 rounds is not the recipe. Oh, my God. Fitness is what, not the key. No, no. Because you realize you can't just lay against the ropes the other guy starts kicking your ass. Uh, all right, a lot to get to. Recording this on a Sunday, John. We are exactly two months away from the NFL draft. It, the draft is on the 23rd of April. That's when it begins. That a little uh, early this year? Is it? Feels usually, maybe last year it was the 27th. Last year I think it was like the 27th, yeah. Because remember yeah. they pushed it back two years ago, or maybe even last year, and people started complaining like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing? Like, we don't want to wait any longer. Let's just get this thing on. The NFL likes, uh, you know, making this legitimately a twelve-year count, twelve-month-a-year calendar, which they're doing a good job of it. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, NFL Combine begins on, uh, I guess people start arriving Sunday, but it gets going Monday when Middlecoff arrives, and then the first on-field workouts are not until Thursday. That's when the quarterbacks go on Thursday night in prime time. So we thought we'd start the podcast today. We did kind of Niners and Raiders individual storylines. 
but some of the big storylines, things that will be discussed this week that we think over the course of the week on the podcast we'll be talking about a lot. Um, so this can be a combine storyline, John, or just an overall NFL storyline because it's at the combine. I'll start because this was just the first one that to me is I think the draft is going to be so interesting this year, not just because of the quarterbacks, but because of the number of teams that could conceivably trade up or trade back. And I guess partly that is a quarterback story. But Bob Quinn, who's the GM of the Lions, said they've got the number three pick. And he said Friday, we are open to any trades. We have not had any trade conversations yet. Those things usually tend to start at the combine. Um, and so we'll see how that goes. That was his quote. So he, the GM of the number three picking team, expects that this week he's going to start having trade talks about that pick. I talked to a decision maker earlier last, last week. Said he has 14 meetings on average the first couple days with agents, with representatives, with other GMs. Like this, this is a crazy, you know, the winter meetings, which to me has a sweeter title than the actual action because not that much shit happens at the winter meetings anymore. I think the combine is legitimately, I mean, it is the NFL's winter meetings. I think he's right. I mean, this shit's going to happen. This week's going to be nuts. You know, I, I think his guy a little bit, probably the Hail Mary guy to get moved just because the economics. But he Stafford, could always you're a- talking about. Yeah, Matt Stafford. He could always ask for his way out. But when you just look at the potential guys on the move this week and some of the names, not just Matt Stafford, but I, I, I would be shocked if by Wednesday we don't have a juicy Tom Brady report. Now, it doesn't mean that's going to mean he's going somewhere or – I guess the, the least juiciest would be like Schefter going, Tom Brady's returning. It'd be like boring. I, I He can return. I just wouldn't mind. Like Tom Brady really wants to meet with the Raiders and Dean Spanos. He wants to see what his market is. <laughs> as crazy as that sounds, Wait, guys. Wait, those two teams are setting the market? Well, they, they have the money, right? You, we, know the Bra- we know Belichick doesn't set the market with Tom Brady. But don't you think we're going to get something juicy this week with Tom? I think we're going to get a few things. I will say this, though. I'll disagree with you on, I think, a Schefter report that says Brady's coming back. While that would be disappointing because we want two months of Brady stories, it does start everybody else. All the other dominoes, I think, start to fall once we know what happens with Tom, right? So we would, I think, then get to the next stage. And there are a lot of next stages. The Bucks, the the Colts, the potentially the Raiders, the uh, like potentially the Jags, so the can. Well, it's, it's, it's a little. It's a it's a little like last year with Kawhi Leonard. Remember with Kawhi Leonard, three teams were just waiting. You know they were not going to sign anyone else. The Lakers kind of got screwed yeah, because they, they waited for it. The Raptors did the right thing; they had to wait, and, and the Clippers were just had all their chips in the middle of the table. But there are, I, I, I think, we know for a fact that if the Raiders can get Tom Brady, they would take him immediately. So yeah. if Tom goes, I'm coming here, Derek's done. Like, that would be a huge domino. I think Tampa would be the same now with or Tennessee with Rabel. For sure. So you're right. There's a huge domino with Tom. Even if and as stays. long as that's an unknown, who knows? But but even if he stays, then that, that it opens the door for all this other stuff to happen. So I'm with you, though. That would be disappointing. All right, give me – so Brady, the Lions at three. And, and, and you know what? I think because – because of the quarterback situation in the draft, Brady's even kind of tied to this trade situation, right? Like these things are all what a lot of these storylines are pretty inter- intertwined. Um, you know, the teams that want quarterbacks, the teams that might 
move up to get a quarterback, teams that might want Brady. Like these are some of the these are overlapping Venn diagrams. I think I think uh, before we get into Derek, which I guess is what a Venn diagram is, which is overlapping. Yeah, Cam Newton. You know, are, are they going to bring him back? Are they going to cut him, which they easily could? It, what is his trade market? Would a team like the Raiders trade Derek Carr to acquire Cam? You would say, well, Cam's coming off a major injury, but there's no disputing his star power is infinitely bigger than Derek's. Yeah. Would Tennessee think, look at Cam like an upgrade over Tannehill? Would yes. that be something that would interest Bruce Arians? He likes big arm quarterbacks over Jameis. I, 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 you know, and he's under contract if you trade for him. Well, would this be the week two? Like, this relates to Cam. If And we've been talking about this for a little while, right? Will Joe Burrow indicate that he doesn't want to play in Cincinnati? Because to me, if he indicates he doesn't want to play in Cincinnati, the place he'll want to play is Carolina with Joe Brady, which is a Cam story, too. Do you think we get something on that story this week, Joe Burrow? Well, I definitely think it's the number one thing he's going to be asked, and he he's going to go to the podium. Do you think guy has the balls to say I don't want to go there? Typically, historically, uh, so, it's the agent or yeah. the father, not the player. I don't think it's the player, and I don't think he says. But this is in the category of what you don't say speaks volumes. So he doesn't have to say I don't want to play in Cincinnati this week. But does he say, "Look, man, I I grew up playing. I grew up in that in that state. That state means so much to me. If the Bengals decided to take me number one, I would be so honored to play for them." Is he saying that? I'm going to guess he's not saying that. I'd be shocked. And anything short of that is a story, right? Hey, I just whoever whoever wants me, that'd be great. I'd love to be the number one pick. I mean, anything that leaves the door open, he, he's not a dummy. Like, he knows how media works. He, he didn't just play at Eastern Illinois. He played at LSU. And before that, he was at Ohio State. He knows the power of what you say to the media. Um, and he's done a lot of interviews this year. So he knows what he's going to say and doesn't say. It, is, if, is he did draw, if he did draw a line or that story gets out that they've, they've informed the Bengals to not take him, that, that'll be one of the biggest stories in years. Right. It, it'd, be, it'd be the biggest draft story in a long time. Does his agent meet with the Panthers this week? and Like, hey, just, what would you guys be willing to trade to go get him? He could easily. But Joe Burrow's going to meet with the Bengals, right, in those little rooms they meet yeah. for 15, 20 minutes. So is he going to look – I guess – It'd be a little more difficult to look Marvin Lewis and be like, I ain't coming. He'd be like, fuck you. Zach Taylor, you don't give a shit. I mean, I would imagine Joe Burrow, who's this guy? You know, it, It's one thing to say it to a Belichick and Andy, a guy like that. It's another thing to say it to Zach Taylor. I'm not saying yeah. you, ju- you just kind of play it down the middle. Because they're going to ask yeah. you, do you want to be here? What, what's he going to say? Yeah, you, prob- I, you probably just lie under pressure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. But, but I, I just think it's even less dramatic than that. I think it's, you just... To me, is public comments, and then what gets said to other teams. Come get, come get me, Joe. Like those are the things. What his agent says, because a lot of times, right? Agents are the ones that have to try and facilitate if a player doesn't want to be in a certain place. Partly, it's the agent's job to say, "Look, we don't want to be here. Here's some options for you. We think that these things can work, and everyone can be happy." I know that if somehow he doesn't end up on the Bengals and the Dolphins, the Chargers. The Raiders, a team like that, trade up to get them. The Panthers, it would be heralded as one of the great heists for that individual team, right? Yeah, because it it had almost, even if they have to trade three ones, three ones would be strong, but two ones and a two or something. Would three you ones take a lot. Two, I know, but would you take two ones? Would you basically take a pick swap and another one to come off your franchise quarterback if you're the Bengals? 
if I only had to move back a couple spots to still get my franchise quarterback, I'd be open to uh, it. Yeah, if you got to get a different, you got a different quarterback, but I got a future one and a two. I I don't know, man. That well, doesn't. I was I was talking to Gottlieb, and he brought up. He said people forget that when the Chargers did the Rivers Eli deal, you know the Chargers the the premium pick that they got for Rivers in the trade back the following year was Sean Merriman, who was one of their best pass rushers for five or six years. So would you yeah. do Rivers? So if you're the Bengals, your Herbert is your Rivers, right? And a Sean Marion, you know a. Sean Marion, uh, Sean Merriman, Paul you know, the jump shot. <laughs> like uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of an equivalent player, just you know, a DeForest Buckner type guy, right? With with your quarterback and several other like special teams guys. Yeah, yeah, but you got to like me finding out that Sean Merriman doesn't happen for another year, right? But I'm just saying, you think you get another number one pick and another two pick? Well, it, I do it, think it a lot of it. Do the Bengals think Joe Burrow's the best quarterback in the draft? Or do they think, yeah, Herbert could be just as good? Because that changes it, right? I think, Herbert's like, I think there's a Herbert's chance. Herbert's like, whoa, 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 no, no. I don't want to come play for you guys. <laughs> what if three quarterbacks said we don't want to come play for you? Well, it's, it'd be a very NBA story. It happens in the NBA all the time. Yeah. Um, the the car thing, I mean, we'll talk more about Derek separately, but that'll obviously be one of the big stories this week. The Tua health check. Uh, the quarterbacks go to the doctor. They all go to the hospital. This is I, this is a. Uh, I would be shocked if a story doesn't come out that a team that wants Tua goes. We looked at his hip. We see Bo Jackson 2.0. It's over. I would expect something negative to come out on Tua because if you're a team that wants to get a hold of Tua, you want some things circling. You know, our doctor happens to be the number one doctor in the world. Has said that Tua won't be able to walk in three years. By the way, where do these rankings come from? Like, there's no stats. How do we do? We check their like surgery efficiency numbers. Yeah, you just uh, you know you you pay the people that runs the magazines that print the list. Number one that, doctor in the world. Those I, things are always crack me up. I think that's what you do. I I would. Wouldn't you imagine that several team doctors who are the individual top doctor in their given area, yeah, big, big egos when it comes to the doctors headed to the combine this week. Yes. You know, like, but, I'm, the, but, I'm the top guy in Florida. Well, I'm Stanford's <laughs> medical. Well, I'm but who's my, UCLA's but John, guy. These, how does this work? Because these guys don't go to, like, the individual team. They go to the hospital. No, there's a room there where they all check in. I don't think they go to the hospital. I think but they I have thought, a room set up. I thought, uh, Maybe they do go to the hospital? From, the, from Alabama, Foster, wasn't at the hospital? I thought, the Raiders? It, no, there's an area at the, con, at the convention center where all the doctors and MRI machines and things like that are all lined up. So they can do all their work at the convention center. I thought, but I, I never was in the medical field. At no, the John, there's a pre, like I'm looking at the schedule. There's a pre-exam at hospital is what it says on the player's oh. schedule. Okay, then they go to the hospital. I so, thought they like, just who's like Who's working the up. hospital that day? Is it just like Bobby with the broken leg from like a skateboarding no, no, accident no. All, sitting all, in the room? Every doctor on a team gets to touch every guy they want to touch. So they, they, like, rent out some rooms at the local Indianapolis hospital for all their uh, team doctors? I think they do, like, a physical checkup in the convention center. I, I, maybe the doctors for blood work and other things that you have to it's use It's just the general, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I am almost 100% certain that every team trainer and doctor, if you want to see a guy, gets to see the guy. Um, Jim Irsay talked a lot. I mean, that's going to be one of the stories this week, just their quarterback situation and... I don't know, is this farewell to Indianapolis for the combine? Yeah, I mean, I, I would expect this to be the last couple of years at Indy. I, I think the Senior Bowl and the combine will be in Los Angeles in the next 
three or four years. He spent too much money. The NFL Network's there. It's almost inevitable. Uh, I think that was the main reason Ursay kind of talked. And then if you are going to talk as the owner, they're going to ask you about his quarterback. And he, the comment I saw that everything's on the table, but we still like Jacoby. So they kind of doing the uh, setting themselves up to be open minded if they do right. screw him. But if they do have to keep him, they always said they liked him. It's one of those moves. Yeah. Do, do yeah. you think he's still on the team if they acquire Philip Rivers? Or could you trade uh, him to a team that, like, has, if the Dolphins get Tua, why wouldn't they just take him? You know, or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, but there's enough other, you know, there is Andy, and there's enough other guys out there that seem like they would fit the bill. And Phillip, why wouldn't you just why wouldn't you just keep him? Have two quarterbacks. How much are you paying him? Like, how much are they paying him this year? Philip? No, Jacoby Brissett. I thought it was like fifteen million dollars, but I think his cap hit's pretty big. So yeah, it's, yeah, gets a little complicated. I think he'd be able to find a home, don't you think? Yes. Well, just yes. think about this: like a team like the Jets that have a cheap quarterback on a rookie deal. Why wouldn't you just take, even if he's your backup? Oh, you know, yeah, teams like the Bills. You know, this guy is a high-level guy. People love him. He, Belichick drafted him. If you if you have a, uh, the the uh, the Browns, you just you have extra money because your quarterback makes six seven million dollars. I, I think you could easily find him a market because Jets just, are such, an, such the a Jets are an, the Jets are a good one, John. You like the Jets move? Just given that Darnold's, you know, been beat up and sick and all that. And the last time that Gase had a deal with a backup, he tried to get the guy killed? He ignored the guy. Yeah, he basically pretended like he wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's good. And then we'll have time later to talk about this because the uh, wide receivers, the wideouts do on-field workout, obviously, Thursday when the quarterbacks do. But just some of the – this is supposed to be a, just a massive receiver draft, right? It's all the expectations. So, How do you say the guy's name from Arizona State? Brandon Ayuk. Someone told me this week, or I guess last week, that get ready, he could put on a show. So like, is yeah, he, is I believe he, that. Is he putting on a show show to go like top twenty? I think he. I think it's probably more a physical show than it is like you know something in pat in, from a pass catching standpoint. What well, you're talking yeah, about? I'm is talking. Like I'm speed, talking jumping jump, and running. Bench. Yeah. <laughs> I bet his bench is going to be sweet. Just look like a freak. People love him. Yeah. I he mean, just, six one, two hundred and six pounds, or whatever he is. Are they going to have back-to-back wide receivers going round one? They could, yeah. Now, I mean, you know, again, how many receivers are going in this first round? Seven? No, I think that's overhyped. So, I think three, four. Fast Henry Ruggs. Him, him, Judy, Ruggs. You know, as as a buddy told me in the fall, I was like, oh, C.D. Lamb, you know, top 20. He's like, bro, he weighs 175 pounds. (laughs) But he's known as like a physical guy, right? So you yeah. just, oh, C.D. Lamb, how much do he weigh? 200 pounds? No, he's not Michael Thomas. He needs to put on some weight. He'll go in the second round. He's like a Devontae Juju. Good player, will dominate, but going to go a little later than people think. All right, John, before we get on to a few other Niners and Raiders things and a ton of headlines today, let's tell the people that this podcast is brought to you in part by Upstart. Upstart, our friends at upstart.com slash ham help you tackle your high-interest credit card debt. Upstart is the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. You're listening to a couple guys that went into debt for the people, took a step back, go independent podcast, to take 17 steps forward. And there was a time... We spent some money recently, too. Yeah, I can't speak for for Guy, but I've had our backs against the wall, and just paying the bills is not always easy, and that's where Upstart comes in, because your credit cards, they're charging you a premium, Guy, for your rate. And the thing about Upstart, 
is they factor in more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate. The best part, once the loan is approved to pay off your credit card bills, which, again, are at enormous, usually well over 20%, uh, most people get their funds the next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards. Think about that, guy. Pay off your credit card bill and actually save money because you're paying back Upstart at a much cheaper rate. Upstart ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Tuspilot. Hurry to upstart.com slash ham to find out how low your rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash ham. The Niners might need upstart, John, after they pay George Kittle, after they pay maybe DeForest Buckner. Um, This podcast recording on a Sunday, but on Monday in The Athletic, John, you have an article out about kind of the financial deep breath that everyone needs to take get ready for what could be coming in terms of Kittle and Buckner contracts what do you th- what do you see what's kind of summarize that article who's the best player in the 49ers George Kittle who what do you usually pay the best player on a team the most money unless he's a quarterback <laughs> yeah obviously if they're a quarterback they get enormous money but when you talk about Julio Jones Aaron Donald Khalil Mack some of these corners Patrick Peterson over the years several years ago Fletcher Cox some of these, uh, the dude from the uh, Dallas Cowboys, Tyron Smith. I mean, we're talking 50, 60, 70 million dollars in guaranteed. You know what the highest paid tight end in the history of guarantees has ever gotten? 22 million. So if you're George Kittle. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Trey Burton. And <laughs> Wait, Kittle, what? Hold on. <laughs> Trey, Trey Burton. Burton. Yes. So the, the, uh, tight ends in this league have included Rob Gronkowski. Well, he was always on weird contracts. I'm just saying, Trey Burton, no tight end has ever gotten... Trey Burton, the guy who threw the touchdown pass in the Super Bowl and signed with the Bears? Trey Burton. Part of it was... Travis Kelsey? Kelsey and Ertz signed deals early and got $20 million in true guarantees. Now, because they're so good, they're going to see $40 or $50 million. But if I'm George Kittle and his agent, I, I don't... Those contracts... They mean nothing to me, well, guy. They, yeah, well, John, that's insane. I mean, you you might as well you might as well you, you I, I don't you might as well bring quarterback contracts from 1995 as comps to this. <laughs> okay, league so it's so insane. But the way contracts work, guy, are comps at your position. Well, you know what I would tell them? Fine, trade me straight up for Trey Burton then. <laughs> yeah, do well, that deal. So, t- t- what do you do, guy? Because last year, Michael Thomas, a premium wide receiver, and you know, arguably the best player on that team got over $60 million in true guarantees. So if you're George Kittle and you kicked that team's ass and you were on the field and you dominated that game, now it's, it's over a history of time. He's been one of the best players in the league and he's now probably a top five or six non-quarterback in the NFL. I think this number is going to be well over 40. I, I, I think he's going to shatter the market. But, but John, I, I'll tell you what, if, if you didn't you, tell anybody what the comps and you told me that George Kittle just signed for $40 million guaranteed, do you think anybody would blink twice? They'd be like, all right. Do you think they could get him to sign for $40 million guaranteed? Uh, I mean, if I were him, I'd If you say, were representing him, what would be your argument? I'd say Julio Jones got $64 million guaranteed at signing. And we can argue about whether Julio's better than George Kittle or not. Playing in the league longer, done more. Sure. I don't think you'd trade me straight up for Julio Jones. But he, fine, that's not how contracts are done. But I'm not $24 million worse than Julio Jones. What I mean to you. Well, here's I mean, the other C. thing. John, C.J. Mosley got $43 million guaranteed at signing. Good player. If, could you argue if you're George Kittle and Parag calls and goes, we're meeting tomorrow at Steak Shack at uh, 
at lunch, and we're gonna we'll just do some initial conversations. If you were his agent, meeting Parag there at the Steak Shack, grab yourself a double cheese and maybe a little. Uh, Have you been to Shake Shack? Uh, I, a long time ago. In there's Indy. one that opened up near me, and the lines are outrageous. I've seen some pictures; go. they look insane. If you're that agent walking to meet Parag, you have not exchanged numbers. What range do you start? I, I'm not talking about the average per year. I, that chip means nothing. Yeah, I, I, I only care about the true guarantees. I say Odell, Belkin, Odell Beckham. Now, Odell's number was 49. Oh, no, 41, excuse me. But his quote-unquote practical guarantees is $65 million. And because he's played in the league now two-plus years since that deal, he's getting the $65 million. But I think I probably started 65. I want more than Julio got. That's where I – if I'm Kittle's agent, that's where I start. God, you, you're, you're fucking more Tom Condon than me. I was going to be over 50 because okay. I, I, I do that's think reasonable. It's, that's asking a lot. But here would be the one thing. Like, Parag, there's no me meeting you at 38. This guy's too good. It's – you guys don't even hide your love for him. Like this, it's it's well known. We're all on the same page with how important he is for you, what the fans think, what the yeah. league thinks, what everyone thinks, how great this guy is. He's he's basically the new Rob. And we ain't doing fucking Belichick deals. You know? We're doing big money deals. And this is also a guy that was drafted so late it hasn't cost you anything. So if I if I signed a deal for fifty five guaranteed. If you factor in my first three years of cheap labor, that's actually a pretty good deal over a six, seven-year period of time, right? <laughs> yeah, but that's not how anyone factors these things in, right? Well, but I – so you could argue, listen, I, I'm willing to talk with you, the 49ers, in the 50s, but once we – once a number gets lower than 40s, and I'm talking practical, uh, so overall, because you're not going to cut this player, anything under 50, I'm, I'm probably walking away from the table. Yeah, I, I think at the en- end of the day – do you want to guess right now what his what his guaranteed at signing and then his practical guarantees are? I bet he gets a bonus of about thirty million dollars on signing, and I bet the number the Niners are good, the Niners are good at this. Yeah, I'd, I'd say somewhere between forty five and fifty. But again, yeah. guy, when that number comes out, it's going to be more than double the previous tight end mark. That's historic, right? Because Vaughn yeah. Miller once upon a time got seventy. So when Mac and Donald got like eighty six and ninety, it was. It was still super high, but it wasn't that far. It wasn't double. Like that's it's going to be a massive number. If if they somehow get him for like the total guarantees of like thirty eight million dollars, it's one of the greatest contracts in the history of America, right? I don't give a shit what his comps are because you just say no. I'm not signing that deal. And you need him for everything you do on offense, for the running, for the blocking, for your for the team, throwing, for, publicity, for the face of your for, franchise, selling tickets, <laughs> for your baddest motherfucker in your squad. I mean, yeah. I think that that will get done because you do have a little leverage that he doesn't have that much money that I, I think you could probably get it at like 45 to 50. I think the 60 thing, just given his position, but he'd be like, well, I block like a tackle, so what are the top tackles get? He, he's, he's a complicated one. He really if, he is. It, He's a complicated one if they want to get messy because they could get yes, messy. Yes, but they could. They could. I mean, comps don't mean nothing. You know, John, like Rob Manfred, I'm a precedent guy. Um Comps don't mean nothing, and if you're blowing comps out of the water at $45 million guaranteed, you've got to feel pretty good about that if you're George Kittle's agent. Well, the other guy I think is actually more complicated in the sense that we're not arguing how great Kittle is. Like, John Lynch knows it, Kyle knows it, Kittle's agent knows it, Kittle knows it, the entire league knows it. Buckner, really good player, kind of one of their core guys, not like never going to be in the Hall of Fame, 
really on a good year with Fletcher Cox and Donald and Akeem Hicks, you know, usually right on the cusp of the Pro Bowl, right? But really good. You love everything about him. I was told that last year they made a very aggressive offer to him. We're talking like 60 in the $60 million range for million dollar guarantees, which previously the defensive tackle, because he's not Aaron Donald, so he's not getting in the 80s. Fletcher Cox years ago got 63. They offered less than that, and he said no. Now Frank Clark a, got 62. He was the seventh overall pick, so he's made some cash, and he's making cash. Like, he doesn't make $800,000 a year. He got, at the time he signed, I would imagine, 22 to $25 million guaranteed. So he's got that where he's not in a rush. Amari had that. We've seen guys that have had that. Be like, okay, let's, we'll let it play out. I'm rich. All right, would you give DeForest Buckner $70 million in guarantees? No. Would well, you? If last year he's turning down around 60, what the fuck's he going to want a year later when the cap's going up? Would you? Well, I would not feel comfortable about it, but on his side, he'd go, well, Fletcher Cox, who let's just say I'm not better than, in 2016 signed for $63 million. Well, just inflation, cap. Four years later, am I not worth just more than that? So am I worth $66, $67 million in guarantee? I mean, Grady Jarrett just signed for $43 million last year. Well, I think think Buckner would say I'm a much better – I'm a more consistent player. So that that, that was $43 million, and that was last year. Yeah, so that number – was 2019. Yeah, so – But are you $30 million better? No. Grady Jarrett's a pretty good player. Yeah, like like to me, I would feel okay at – Boy, God, I, uh, that's God. rich for me too. No, I, mean, I was going to say this like is not 55. Richard Seymour or Julius Peppers. But I would go fifty-five. But guys, this is a position tur- of depth. He was turning down that last. I understand, season. but like Kittle is not a position of depth. This is a now depth becomes weakness really fast, right? Depth becomes thin quickly. You have then you're obligated. Like you got to keep Armstead if you do that. I I I wrote this and believed this. You have to figure this out before you figure everything else out, right? Because this, with your quarterback contract, kind of shape your team moving forward. These are a lot of money invested into a couple players, right? Yeah, just, but th- John, this is you're saying. Where does DeForest Buckner rank on the team? Because he's a you're, what you're describing is the second highest paid player on the team. Well, he's going to get paid probably like I, Fred Warner. Bosa's better, but Bosa's a rookie. But what I'm just saying, yeah, better, I mean, top five, six player. Okay, because he's going to – what you're telling me is he's about to become the second-highest player you, you on the But you know team. how that works sometimes in football? It's like when you're up or when you can be resigned. Uh, understood, yeah. Right, because if, if they had to choose this offseason, like you can only keep one, Bosa or Buckner, it'd be like, DeForest, we appreciate your efforts. You, you, this is where you could argue you could get Armstead for cheaper and trade Buckner, who's still got another year under his contract with a fifth-year option. Could you get a late first-round pick for him? You know? These are just things that this is a this is a somewhat I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, guy. A little bit of a tricky couple weeks stretch for the Niners here. This combine up until free agency starts, like just they're going to have like three or four options and paths they could choose, and no one knows. I mean, we'll be critical or have an opinion whenever they make a move, but we won't know for a year or two if it's the right one. Like, this is where Belichick has sustained his team being really good. Coach Reed is always willing to, like, you know, D Ford's not quite good enough. We'll get rid of D, and then we get Frank. Like, are, are the Niners open to that type shit? 
I, I don't know. We're, this is the first time they've kind of, like, Kittle's a lock. Kittle's going nowhere. If you told me some crazy scenario, like they kept Eric and got rid of DeForest, I, you know, it's difficult for their locker room, but money factors into NFL. Like, you can't pay everyone. It's not just different, difficult for the locker room, it's just difficult for winning the Super Bowl. Like, this was an extreme depth position for them. They just threw some of the freakiest bot, two of the freakiest NFL bodies at you on. Well, here, here's the every kicker: play. you could save eleven million dollars by cutting D Ford and keep both these two guys inside, but you're basically just eating that second round pick. Would you be open to doing that? You you, you could look at it two ways, like second round, yeah. Pick a lot, here's or the two. Thing. Sometimes Belichick, you just stick and move and just is, move on. Here's my my question: Is this is D Ford going to be on this team in 2021? No. So I would be open to that, even though I don't love it, because they were like D Ford did. D Ford made an impact when he was on the field, but I would be open to that. Yeah, cutting told D me Ford I could keep and D- keeping Armstead and Buckner. Yeah, that's an easy trade if when you put it like that, right? But that that's you don't you just second second round picks just water under the bridge. Well, yeah, I mean it's already gone. So if you're telling me if I keep D Ford, I can't keep Buckner and. Armstead, but yeah, if you, I you can't, you're not going to be able. To but do. if I get rid of D Ford, I can keep those two guys. Then I'm going to keep those two guys and just cut Ford. And I, and the second round pick is gone. We almost won the Super Bowl thanks to him. We didn't. We lost the second round. The second round pick's gone either way. I you might be able to trade D Ford. Okay, but but uh, like that to me is e- that is an easy decision. Keeping Armstead and Buckner with Bosa. Well, just imagine you could have both of them. If I said those three players are out there. NFL team, you can have to pick two of them. Which two would people take? Armstead Buckner. <laughs> I mean, you could argue D because the positions, but it's just the fact that he well, hasn't been healthy. But he, but he is a unique speed rusher no, that works like, in. It's not like no a no-brainer. He, he's unique to them. But I, the, if if you told me he was playing sixteen games, then maybe it wouldn't. Then it would not be easy. But this is what I'm saying, guys. They they games. got about six lanes they could drive down. And if they did it, like, oh, they cut D Ford, but they kept Armstead and Buckner, I think we'd applaud. Oh, they, they, they decided to sign Buckner, extend Buckner, trade Armstead to the Browns for pick 41, and then keep Ford. You'd be like, okay, I get it. You could go, well, they decided to extend Buckner, cut D Ford, trade Armstead, and trade for Darius Slay. Like, I'm just saying, you got a lot of different pitches you can go, which yeah. at the time, I'd be like, okay, I, I understand it, but we'll know if it works several years. Belichick... And I think Coach Reed's really good at this, too. He doesn't, besides, like, his super, super core guys, which is really just now his quarterback and maybe, like, Kelsey, he's not tied to, like, anybody. And that's what I think is going to be a little complicated for the Niners. Like, if if Buckner goes, I'm not accepting your $65 million. I think I want $75 million. Like, you, Belichick just goes, okay, well, have fucking uh, the Colts pay you. And I'll take their thir- their 25th pick. Like, he just does shit like that. I I have a hard time seeing the Niners do stuff like that because Kyle is the ultimate decision maker. And when the coach is the ultimate decision maker, he's pretty emotionally tied. But I think there are parallels. He's learned a lot, like his dad and Belichick, that maybe even for a younger coach, he can separate himself. I I think this next two or three weeks for the Niners is completely fascinating, guy. Because we could see some enormous moves. Or we could just see kind of just status quo. They just bring back some guys. But status quo will mean something's coming eventually because something, something's got to give. Or status quo just means they extended Buckner, they extended Kittle, spent a ton of money, they're expecting Armstead to play on the tag. 
Yeah. Which is just a really expensive year. Uh, all right, John, let's get to the Raiders. Marcus Spears says that the way that Derek Carr has been treated is disrespectful. I was uh, reading this via some of um, RaidersBeat.com uh, and always on Twitter transcribe some of what he said Spears said Friday on ESPN Derek Carr's been tremendously disrespected by the Oakland Raiders that's what he called them oh so he's uh, not even he's him. not blaming them I, I thought this was blaming the media he's blaming the team no he's been disrespected by the Raiders we start talking about relationships and we've been talking about Dak for the last month and if he should be paid or not at the MMA fight a day later it came out that the Raiders are going to pursue Brady um Derek Carr was on the roster. It was not a bad quarterback. So when you talk about disrespect, someone that's been there as long as he has, um, that's his take. And then, uh, and then on NFL Network, they showed David Carr some video of Derek Instagramming lions at the zoo, and Dave's response was, uh, "His son's favorite movie is Trolls. He's just having fun. It's the off season." But it was pretty dismissive um, to the idea that anyone would take it any other way than him trolling people. And as I've told you, I do think that's an element of what he's doing, but I think he's doing it because he's bothered by a lot of this stuff. And I'll tell you this, I don't blame him. I've told you this. He's making a lot of money. It doesn't change. Your feelings don't change because you got rich. I don't blame him for feeling this way, but you're not, you're just not going to get a lot of sympathy when you're an NFL quarterback making a ton of money. It's just, it's not going to happen. And haven't accomplished much. He has one good season. Right. So when you haven't won at all, I have a hard time feeling back. Like there is no disrespect. This is what did Hyman That's, Roth? What did Hyman Roth say? This is the business we chose. Like Derek, you're this is the business you're in. I've been fired from that business where I was treated probably not perfectly, but I knew what I, I, I was younger and I was not getting Derek Carr money. But a lot of people every year disregarded coaches, players. It's the nature of the beast. He's lucky enough to have got himself a massive second contract. It's a fucking lot of land you chose, my man. And it, I, I feel zero sympathy for him, guy, in the sense of... I, I, I here, Here's actually where I would say that I do feel some sympathy. He gives a shit about the Raiders. A lot. He truly does care about them. Now, I would say, Derek, that's your own naivete to be that all-in on a team that is just very up and down. You're not... If you were all-in with an Andy Reid, a Pete Carroll, it would be handled differently. But when you choose the Raiders, now I know that you didn't choose them, they drafted you, but when you signed this deal and you had seen multiple coaches, like John Gruden did not pick you. Like this this happens to, guy, Peyton Manning was cut. Joe Montana played on another team. Like Derek, you, you fucking didn't sniff the playoffs this year. You lost to the fucking, the Jets and the Jaguars in a four-week stretch in must-win games. And the Chiefs, Mocked you again a little bit, right? They they said they knew they could make, crack you a lot. So I have now he's not saying that he's been disrespected, but you're right. Like they are setting themselves up with the trolls. You can tell me he's trolling all he's want. That's bullshit. I, I've been around the guy. I, I know enough people that are around him. Currently, he gets offended by this stuff, which all players do, guy. Like whether you're Tom Brady or whether you're C.J. Beathard, and they're talking about cutting. Yeah, you. You're humans. I, I, I get it, but it's a little different with him, right? Because he is a franchise money quarterback. But this, but but I think the ultimate point, and you said it well, it's it doesn't have to be disrespectful for you to be legitimately hurt by it. You can be legitimately hurt while 
the Raiders are actually just doing business and not being disrespectful. Do, this is do, not about disrespect. Okay? Do you think? Br- is, do you think bringing in the, a report saying they're going to sign Tom Brady is a disrespectful report? If you're Derek, or like, can you not remove that's Tom Brady? What What can I say? Um, no. If you're him, you can you can logically recognize that no one can complain if Tom Brady replaces them, but. It, the logic and the emotion are two different things. Like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't logic. It's it's sometimes hard for logic to override the emotion. And to your point, emotion where you've been so emotionally invested in this team. So, um, yeah, you could simultaneously understand that it's reasonable that Tom Brady would replace you and still be mad at the situation. I, I think that those two things can coexist, I, which is I, what this is. Yeah, if you get Wally Pitt by Tom Brady, the Carr family will have no leg to stand on. No one will give a shit what they say about the way they were treated. Phillip Rivers, I would say, would fall into that category too. And if John Gruden were to trade for Cam Newton, I think no one would feel be- any sorrow for, for Derek Carr. Now, if something weird happens where they trade him and sign Andy Dalton, they they trade him and trade for Jacoby Brissett and do something where you go, why didn't he just roll it back? Then I think he'll get some sympathy, like the Raiders are dumb. Because I, I, I still think there are a decent amount of people that go, you know, Mayock really knows what he's doing, but Gruden is just kind of a, you know just a man, crazy man on the loose. I don't know if he's listening to anyone where it depends how it plays out to what the, just the majority of people, what side they take right now, Derek, just if I was Derek and it's hard and listen, I've never been in his position in the sense of making that much money, being that famous. I would lay Everyone's low. Everyone's talking about you all the time. Yeah. And I, I get it. And you just eventually like this happened last year. I'd say Derek, it's happening every year for a reason. Like part of it. You just haven't been playing well enough. Part of it is your team. Part of it is you put your handcuffs to this franchise that just do crazy-ass shit. Like, there's a reason that your number one wide receiver just gets cut right before, because they were the team that signed A.B. And it's just, you're dealing with John John, Gruden. You know what? The other thing is, though, John John, didn't draft him, guy. But this is the team that traded Amari Cooper and Khalil Mack. And that's not even uh, not taking a shot. That's not a statement about were they right or wrong. I'm just this is the team that traded. They had Derek, Amari, Khalil. It looked like three stars in the ma- three lifetime Raiders. Now two of them are not lifetime Raiders. So, like that's all the information you need, right? You see, that's where I, if I was Derek, I'd go. Even he would acknowledge Khalil's a better player than me in a vacuum, right? Khalil Mack is one of the best players in the league. They didn't even hesitate trading him, guy. They kind of lied about it the whole time. If they can trade Khalil Mack, they can trade me. That's where what you were alluding to, like, yeah, you can say it's trolls. We know it's a little more than that. And, and you know what? Most people with a heart, this is a compassionate show, can go, I, I don't know exactly how I'd handle it, but I'd be a little perturbed <laughs> just because I, I clearly am getting a message and then I keep reading shit. That would be the other thing where... And this is where I struggle with, guy. Like, of course Gruden's going to lie to him because he doesn't know he's going to be able to upgrade. So you just tell the guy what you think is the truth. Like, you're going to be my quarterback. But you don't, add, you, don't, you don't add the caveat unless I can get Tom or Rivers or Cam, right? Or Tua. You don't tell him that. So this is, this is pro sports, guy. This is just the business. And 
I, I, I still, and I was texting with someone this weekend, just a Raider fan. Like, I, I still believe Derek's going to be the starting quarterback just because I don't think they're going to be able to upgrade. Now, that might be a starting quarterback with Jordan Love as his backup or Herbert or some crazy thing on draft day, which we've talked about ad nauseum. I don't know if it would work too perfectly, but that might be the case. But that's if they draft a guy, Derek's still the quarterback, more than likely. Like, I, if I don't they draft think a guy not in the first round. Or even, like, with pick 19. You know, he'll just be the backup for a year or two. That does get a little complicated, but yeah, I think you would so just... I'm not so sure about that. I think there would still be a strong chance he'd be the quarterback. Yeah. Now, where I think it would get weird is, like, if Jameis becomes available, if Tannehill becomes available, would John be willing to sign one of those guys? And that's where I think if I'm Derek, I'm a little nervous. Just, like, I don't know. And he, yep. they can they can claim they like Gruden tells me the truth, Mark Davis tells me the truth. Bullshit! Like you, you've been around him long enough to s- kind of see his lies, right? And, and lies, <laughs> uh, professional lies, is part of the business. Before we get uh, to a bunch of headlines, let's tell the people this podcast is brought to you in part by Simply Safe. When your alarm system calls the police department, the police department has no idea if something actually is happening. If you have Simply Safe, that's different. Because with Simply Safe, if there's a break in, there's real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of a crime, police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. Guys, simplysafe.com slash ham. I'm going to be in Indianapolis all week. I dare any one of you guys to attempt to rob my place. Because you know what? I got Simply Safe all over this mug 24 7 surveillance. I got the cops at drop of a hat right now. You barely notice them. You can't even see my cameras. I, I installed it. That means literally anyone can do it. It takes took me like 35 minutes. It's only cost me 50 cents a day with no contracts. Get out whenever I want. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Again, dare you to attempt to rob me. My friends at simplysafe.com slash ham got my back today. And you'll get a free shipping and 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose, guy. Go now to let them know that we sent you simplysafe.com slash ham. That's simplysafe.com. Dot com slash ham. All right, let's start with this, John. Um, I did not see the uh, Wilder Fury fight. First of all, the fact that there's two boxers and one of them is named Wilder and one of them is named Fury is perfect. Are those their real names? Yes. Tyson Fury and DeAndre Wilder. I was uh, Deontay, DeAndre, 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 uh, Jordan? <laughs> Deontay, Deontay, Deontay I was, I'll admit Saturday night, John, I was binging hunters on Amazon. Good watch. Pretty solid. It came out Saturday. Jason, uh, Jordan Peele, Pacino, four hour, uh, hours, you know, episodes like an hour, got four episodes in on Saturday. Is it a, is it a scary movie? Is it like an action? No, it's show? not a movie. It's, it's like a, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah. Is, it, is it action? Uh, yeah. Well, it's action. It's, uh, basically they're, uh, uh, Holocaust survivors and the grandson of a Holocaust survivor hunting Nazis that have come back, um, trying to re rise in the United States in, I'm not sure what year it's set, but it's not modern day. Like the 70s like or 80s. Seven, yeah, it's like the 70s because you've got these Holocaust survivors are still kind of, you know, mobile. Um, they thought they could like seek asylum in the United States, but not legally. No one would notice them. So that they, sounds uh, like a good watch. Yeah, but there's a lot of like Holocaust flashbacks. Yeah, it's action, but you got, you know. It's intense. 
it, it is intense, but um, it's good. I've been enjoying it. So that's what I was watching. But you, the tried and true formula, you don't have to pay for a fight. I've done this before. Many Pacquiao Mayweather fights I've watched on Periscope. That's that's how you watch it. How was it? I had people texting me about the fight. I wasn't watching any of it. Uh, tell me. I have a theory. I think people our age, maybe a little older, like 40 and under, are a little jaded when it comes to buying these fights. Like I, I think people, older people, like in the 50s, 60s, that like boxing, they have no problem doing it because historically you got a lot of good fights. It was like buying an NFL playoff game or something. You knew you were getting something sweet. I I don't know. I have where a theory you, on that too. I don't know where you that. fall, but I, I'm terrified the fight's gonna suck. So I think part of that, part of the issue is that older generations are they had, they are uh, conditioned to pay fifty dollars for a one-time event. The younger generation's like, wait a second. I pay $7 for a month of Netflix. You want me to pay $75 for this fight? It doesn't seem like a value. Uh, and then we've had so many bad fights. Like, I used to really be into, if there was a big boxing, I, UFC I didn't really, but a big boxing match, I was there. And now I don't, now these, both these guys are like a combined 98-0 or whatever. What was were. the one when we when I was at Cal Poly, it might, was it Floyd versus De La Hoya? There was a big one I remember in the mid-2000s that w- we got a huge party for. And it was like ninety nine, ninety nine at the time. Okay, yeah. And I, I just think a lot of Floyd's fights because he became so famous always sucked. And you're like, <laughs> I just remember like, well, I can't believe I paid for this. So here's what I did. I, I've done this the last couple times with with Periscope. I just watched it on Periscope. When the fight ended, I said to myself, I would have one hundred percent paid for that just to support. This is how these guys make a living. I get there were other people blood sucking off all the cash, but. I, 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 it justified the cash guy. It really did. Once okay. you watched it. What'd it go, like seven rounds? Yeah, it went seven rounds. It was just this... I didn't know much about Fury. I watched... I read a lot about him last night from the UK. Super tall, bald guy. Just Good, vo- good sh- singing voice. Oh, just beat the shit out of Wilder. I mean, pounded his ass. And, you know, you got Mark Davis and Gruden there. You got Mahomes there. You got Colin Coward there. You got a lot of just famous people in the background. But it was just this... They were enormous. Like this guy, I texted someone last night. I said, obviously they're way off in age ranges, but imagine in his prime, Tyson Fury, who's six foot nine, and who could, it feels like he can hit you. He's like a center in basketball, fighting Mike Tyson, who was like five eleven. Just what that would have looked like. Like you could tell Wilder. I don't know exactly how tall he is. I'd guess six five, six six, just jacked. Where Fury kind of has some love handles. I can relate. Shaved bald head. It was sweet. It was just, it was one of those things, you know, I'd read a lot about on Twitter and just everyone had been talking about it for a couple of weeks. Got a little FOMO, but not enough FOMO. I, I crossed my mind, do I buy it? I'm like, well, just pull out the iPad and watch yeah. it. And, and you yeah. can find some like pretty good crisp broadcasts. Mm. Like, God, this is like HD quality. But then all of a sudden, that's the one thing about illegal streaming is it can just go black at any yeah, moment. Yeah, you got to jump to another stream. Yeah, I remember I ended up on easy. one. One Mayweather flight watching a Periscope stream of somebody was filming their backyard projection screen. So I was like in the back of a yard backyard party barbecue watching the stream. But but, but see, guy, Take I do be- I do believe that if you get the right event and market it the right way, humans will pay. Maybe not forty nine ninety nine, like you said, our generation. Like if I told you this, I said, guy, uh, April fifteenth. In Alabama, instead of playing a spring game, has agreed to play the XFL champion. It's going to be on pay-per-view for $19.99. Don't you think that would get a lot of buys? 
<laughs> yeah. Do you think Do you think the Super Bowl could make more money going pay-per-view? Like, would you buy that? I'm just going to give some random. XFL, Bama, instead of their spring game, plays the XFL in a real game. I, that, uh, that's a little out of, you know, it's, I'm kind of trying to come out of left field. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, Maybe Ohio question. State would be a better example. What if I just told you the Super Bowl was on pay-per-view? Uh, I think you could probably pull it off. What would you pay for the Super Bowl on pay-per-view? I mean, I, what would I... I'd have to buy it. What, what do you mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Super Bowl, $150. You'd pay that. Well, don't you... Do you think it's inevitable that one day it's nine 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 for Super Bowl on top of the ads? Um, I, no, I don't think it's inevitable. Why is that? It's just too good of a marketing tool for the league. I mean, it's just too big of an event. So why... No, I don't think it's inevitable. Well, p- part of doing a pay-per-view for boxing is they have to do a pay-per-view, right? I don't know enough about the economics of the sport. Like, why do they do that? Because they can't, like, legally just get on ESPN? Couldn't they make the money? Or I, I, there not the enough, is there it? not enough inventory? Like, with football, it's all part of a... A package, yeah. You don't know when package. anyone's going to fight. That's mm-hmm. why UFC became a little more consistent, just because there were more UFC fighters. You could have UFC right. fighters all the time. But remember, they were in control of it. I'll, they would I'll, just I'll, set up fights. You want another take? Hmm. He takes a lot of shit because he's a little over the top calling Monday Night Football. But Tessator does call a good fight. Like, he is a good well, fight a, guy. Yeah, he's a boxing announcer. Right? I know. He, he's made for it. Uh, all right. Let's rattle through some other headlines, John. At that fight, uh, John Gruden told the Vegas newspaper that they'll have uh, minicamp in Vegas. They don't know if it'll be in Vegas or Henderson at the practice facility. But minicamp for the Raiders will be in Las Vegas. There's been some question about whether or not it would, where it would be. But that was a piece of news made at the fight where Gruden and Mark were. Those guys spend a lot of time together. You notice that? Like they, I do. It's one thing to go to one event a year. Like, how many pictures have you ever seen of, like, there's Kraft and Belichick at the Broadway show. There, there's Andy and Clark Hunt out to dinner. I mean, those guys are now, part of it is they're going to public events. So maybe it does happen more than we think. Like, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie get dinner once a month. I don't know. But it does feel like, it. you could argue there's... It's one thing to like, hey, honey, I got to go to a work meeting with my owner. Like, that's pretty normal procedure. There's another thing to like, going out with uh, with Mark to the fight, going out with Mark to the hockey game, going with Mark to the Warriors game. Like, that's doing a lot of extra shit that you don't need to do. Like, is there a chance? This just struck me last night. Might have been on some edibles. Are they maybe just really good friends? Like, legitimately, John doesn't have that many friends for what he just relates. Like, him and Mark are just tight. Like legitimately, they share a lot buddies. of history. Yeah, they just share a lot of history, right? Passionate about the same thing. It, it kind of hit me. Maybe they are really, truly good friends. Because I, they're past the point of like going to one game together, guy. They've gone to like seven public events. Yep. Yep. Um, or is that what you have to do? Maybe I need to think about this, and you too. That is what you got to do when someone pays you ten million dollars. Do a lot of shit. Well, you don't I, do. I do think that is part of it, but they just have a lot of shared history. Like they've just, you know. It's not like they're brand new friends. Uh, and they used to get together when Gruden was doing Monday Night Football, right? Wasn't that part of the story? Like, they'd have dinner yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, the uh, There was a hockey game where an emergency goalie came off the Zamboni to get a win. <laughs> I actually I love think, this rule. Well, I, I think that he knew before the game, I could be wrong on this, he didn't have to drive the Zamboni the day that into Well, yeah, I didn't game. mean he came off the Zamboni that day, but. Because that would have been legendary. But but I didn't know this, this rule, rule although I feel like it's happened once before. But 
I had thought that another Zamboni driver had gotten close to playing, but this guy not, not only played guy, he had saves. Eight, you, eight of ten. I went to the Carolina Hurricanes page. Like, he had some pretty nice saves. Now, granted, some are like the five hole where you just close your leg and the announcer would be like, what a save by Huleski or whatever the guy's name is. But it's yeah. just, it is just a basically a normal human that played like low level minor league hockey who's 42 years old. And this isn't like a preseason. This is a fucking regular season NHL game. He lives in Toronto, but he had to be the goalie for the, the some of their videos inside the locker room makes you just sometimes I, I know I get this way. You just get tired of the money and the corporate stories, even though we're all kind of living in it. Just cool to have just some old school, happy stories with sports. I, so I what do you think would be the uh, football or baseball equivalent of this? That's what I was trying to figure out. Or even basketball. What's the, uh, you seen the, the movie Waterboy I watched probably a month or two ago. There's a scene in Waterboy when the Waterboy starts dominating that they go to like Sports Center and it's Dan Patrick. And he's like, because of all Bobby Boucher's success, Michigan tried their towel boy at wide receiver, at slot receiver. And he runs a crossing pattern and gets destroyed. <laughs> it's the best scene in the movie. But, like, I, I don't know if football would even have one. Ba- baseball. I, I think it would be, to me, football would have to be one of two people. The radio Kicker. analyst who, like, just retired, right? It'd be like the, radio, the guy, Joe Staley, retired last year as the Niners radio analyst. Oh, my God. The Niners need all of a sudden Joe's up on the fifty three and Papa's doing the game by himself. Or you, you would straight, agree that's that's still like understandable, right? If you're in a pinch and he just plays a couple games. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're saying like that would still be Joe Staley. This guy was not Joe Staley. <laughs> yeah, so then, okay, what about that? What about this? What about your like your strength and conditioning coach who like played college football at Wisconsin? But he'd have to be like ten or fifteen years removed to already be the strength and conditioning coach of an NFL team. Like it was a fullback. Maybe he's a fullback. Um, not a use check fullback, like a traditional fullback. What about that? Yeah, c- could see that. J- and maybe just like, well, there's no fullbacks on the open market. They don't even exist anymore. We were in a pinch. We had to play a game. This guy knows the scheme because he's always here. Fucking the players trust him. We just Jimmy loves him. Because like a holder, a holder is not the equivalent of no, what a goalie no. is doing. To me, a holder is way too hard. Like that's I could just throw a body at another body. No, no. What I'm like, saying is, I'm saying a goalie. Like a holder, you go through a whole game, your holder plays a very small percentage of the plays. But, but he's a also goalie your, but is he's protecting also the net. Yeah, the, goal, the goalie, I would say it's like the equivalent of the ball dudes in baseball down ball the lines. Having and, to play third base. And one of the guys, let's say, like, listen, we were in a tight spot. He had a uni on. We asked him. It turns out he had been a backup at Cal Poly in the 80s. Right. You know, it's something like I. I actually don't think guy. There's anything even close to an equivalent. Uh, no, I mean, okay. <laughs> um, XFL. There was a uh, the first kickoff return for a touchdown in the XFL, and it was a reverse. Pretty cool. Do you like the XFL's kickoff? I I don't really, but it does look cool when they returned it. Like just that video of the return looked awesome. I don't quite get what's going on. Are they just popping the ball up? What is the kickoff? So the kickoff is an attempt to try and reduce the big collisions from the coverage team. So they've got to stand 10 yards away from the team that protects, from the return team, and that the team that is coverage cannot start running until the kick has been caught. So you're, and you're so not it really looks like, to kick it that deep. Well, no, the, the kicker is back at like the 10-yard line or whatever, but you also get penalized for a touchback. 
Yeah, so no, that's why that's why oh, teams so are, they kind of want you between like the. So they want the you to return area. it, but in exchange for forcing you to return it, you're not going to get hit by a guy who's got a 50 yard head start. Yeah, I actually I don't hate it. I like the way it looks right before the ball is kicked. I like the way it looks up. too. Like it does look like some. I like the way it looks also. I, I was stumbling around channels on Saturday, not even afternoon, like in the morning before I even worked. The good thing about the XFL, it starts like 9 a.m. So there was like a game soccer. at at halftime. I was flipping around. It's NBC Diana on a knee in the halftime locker room talking to some defensive tackle that had made some plays. And she he's just like drinking his Gatorade. All the guys are around. And I was like, well, at first I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then I realized she's just doing a halftime interview but in the locker room. Then you can tell it was one of those like under a minute before they go back on the field. So whoever the team leader on the squad is like, motherfuckers let's get on mine right and he starts you but you can't see him but he starts giving one of those like we're going back to war get your fucking get your we're gonna hit him in the mouth cart doing the football cliches and then all of a sudden nbc diana's talking to whoever the defensive lineman is and you just they clearly just had to hit the mute on it all because this guy's dropping f-bomb after f-bomb just getting his the troops lined up and then i saw another one today on twitter where it was like molly mcgrath was just in the locker room halftime, and the guy was, like, showing on the whiteboard their halftime adjustments. And I've gotten a lot of people tweeting at me, like, do you think we could integrate any of this in the NFL? Like, no, I, that, that's a little much. Like, I don't need halftime. That's not – that's the safe place if the game matters. But it is cool. I will give the XFL credit. Like, that is unique. Like, they are just yeah. trying random-ass shit. I will tell you a quick aside because I saw – a part of the XFL, I saw Jeff Schwartz ask this question on Twitter over the weekend. Do you guys like hearing, like knowing what play is calling coming before the play? Um, I don't like knowing before every play what's what is about to happen in the play. You mean I'm the not play name or what the play is going to look like? Like, yeah, like knowing exactly what the play. Oh, this is going to be a run to the right. I mean, I don't blame them for doing it, but I would not want that to be a part of my everyday football watching. That the analyst hears the we all hear the play, and the analyst can say, "Oh, this is a runoff right tackle." I don't like that. Um, I, I would not a lot, want that. I think it's why a lot of the old school people aren't in love with Romo. They're like, I don't need this. Part of football, right, is being wowed at a play call. Sure, but but I do think there's a difference where it's like, what does Romo think is about to happen? Oh, oh, you, oh, you mean like the offensive coordinator goes, "We're running three verticals." Yeah, or you know, the OC goes, you know, this is uh, eight fifty six Jet Blue, and then the analyst goes, "Okay, that's a run to the right." I would not want that all the time. With Romo, it's like Romo is guessing. Like, I think what they're going to do here is... God, the analyst has to do a lot of work to learn the fucking playbook. But I think the plays are pretty basic, too. Oh, like, okay. Um, all right. The, uh, um, ben Roethlisberger, John, cleared the throw. He's two or three months away from clearance still. What do you his, think about his beard going right now? It's very big. Do you think we'll ever see Ben Roethlisberger win another playoff game? His last playoff win... Um, came in twenty the twenty sixteen season, so it's we're coming up on four years since his last playoff win. Is that, is that true? Yeah, that's, that's pretty nuts. I I would lean no, but I, I I thought a lot about this team just over the last couple of weeks in the sense of just because Tomlin was thrown <laughs> because he went on first take. The guy, they went, they were what eight and eight or nine and seven, lost Roethlisberger halfway through the first game. It's really one of the most remarkable Steeler seasons in the history of their franchise, right? Is that season 
do you think in 50 years going to ne- get enough credit? Like no, it's going to be very. It's going to be underrated in five in th- this year. Yeah, they traded a first round pick three weeks in. The guy was a borderline defensive player of the year. I think the defensive player of the year was. I think it turned out. Oh no, it was Gilmore. But it could have been T.J. Watt too. Their defense is going to be stacked. Their offensive lines all coming back. They have a good running back who gets hurt a lot. But James Conner, they can find running backs. They got good wide receivers. Is it inconceivable to think like they could be pretty good if Roethlisberger can just stay healthy? Big if, but their team—if they can go eight and eight with Duck and uh, <laughs> and Mason—why? If Roethlisberger is better than them, I, to me the, the the red flag is could Roethlisberger play sixteen games at thirty-seven years old? Uh, unlikely. All right, give me some headlines I, before I got some more. But uh, this is a non-sports one, but I watched a Ford versus Ferrari on That's Friday sports? night. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right. It is racing. The Le Mans. The Le Mans. Le Mans. Yeah. It's 24 a long hours race. of Le Mans. I, I thought that Christian Bale is just, he's just a lead at his craft. He, he really yeah. is just a special, yeah. special actor. Like Matt Damon. I'm, I love Matt Damon, and I think Matt Damon's just solid. I think he's just like, a, he, he'd be like having like, a, like an Eli Manning. But yeah, he's won a couple championships. Like he's solid. You know, there's probably a little, some movies are not as good. Maybe Eli, maybe he's better than Eli. Maybe he'd be like a Roethlisberger. I think he's better than Eli. But yeah, Roethlisberger better? Uh, he, he, I mean, Roethlisberger I'd put ahead of Eli. Is he Damon? Oh, Damon Rogers? Oh, he's not Rogers. Because I'd say Christian Bale's like Russell Wilson. I don't think I've – like he's as good as it gets, and he's unique. Yeah, I, so I watched the movie recently also. I didn't watch it till I probably watched it two weeks ago, and I watched it. For anyone that wants to see it, I highly recommend. It's called The 24-Hour War. It's basically a documentary that hits on a lot of the stuff that this stuff hit on. But it starts further back. It gives you a lot more of Ferrari. Um, the Ford guy, Henry Ford II, the deuce. What is that what they call him? The deuce? Yeah. Looks just like the real Henry Ford II. They nailed it. But I, to me, the racing scenes in that movie is like not really a racing fan. I love the racing scenes in that movie. Like all the stuff in the car. They spent a lot of time on it. Christian Bale was phenomenal. You're right. Who did he remind me of? What other Bale role did he remind me of? Um, not Batman, obviously, but there was another Bale role that this guy reminded me of. Uh, American Psycho? No. He's a little edgy in this one, which I liked. He w- Yeah. The one thing you realize watching the movie is just what a pow- like Ford at that time. What what when is this taking place? Like in the sixties or the seventies? Mid sixties, because they that's when they won the first. Oh, because they they won like 67, 68, 69, 70 yeah. or whatever. Ferrari hasn't won. I still think it ha- it holds up. Ferrari hasn't won since. Ferrari has not won since. Le Mans. That's I don't think nuts. they have. I didn't know that either. But w- I would imagine in the sixties, Ford. America's equivalent, like right now, of Amazon or whatever. Just the powerhouse of a company they were at the time, right? The, the Prestige. That's the I just went to his IMDb. His character in The Prestige is kind of who he reminds me of in Ford and Ferrari, which I love The Prestige. Yeah, it's, it, I thought Ford versus Ferrari is just one of those you order, and you're just – it's not going to change your life, but you're not going to be mad you rented it. No. Yep. And, I, I like you it. know, the Joker, I was mad I rented it. Yeah. Well. So, some movies is very hit or miss when you rent. Good take. I'm looking forward to running uh, Knives Out. Um, I have two more quick ones for you, John. One, just because you tweeted it, the shot of Justin Thomas hitting a a left-handed upside-down iron off the root of a tree. I I saw that and thought, if if you were going to win 
a golf event, what would you want your signature shot from that event to be, right? You could have – the tough one is like Tiger, the chip, and to win the – to uh, was that on 17 at the Masters where it comes all the way down the hill? 16. 16. That would – like, would you want that? Would you want a sand save? Would you want a chip in? Would you want a hole in one? I think if I could have a signature shot on a Sunday that I win, I'd want the upside down, left-handed, like with the like everyone's gathered around you because you're you're off the fairway. Like I think that'd be badass, and you run it right up the front of the green by the stick. Here's the key to the shot overall: it needs to be one with you surrounded by other humans, the yeah. fans, and one where you pace. So you like walk up, <laughs> you look. You conversations with you, yeah. Conversations with you because the there, there's got to be a build up to the shot. Because 100, percent it's not a drive, right? It's just not a drive. Because a drive, you just stand there and hit. With a shot, unless it's like an island par three, yeah. Yeah, which and is I, not. But a drive, I, I do right. think there's something special about looking at a ball in a in a weird spot or in a tough spot or out of the beaten path, having the fans surround you. You walk to the green. You look at the different fucking your angles that you can hit. You bounce some ideas off. You're like, no, I don't like that, Jim. The rules guy comes over. Yeah, he's like, did you move a stick? You're like, no, I didn't move a stick. And Patrick Reed's in the middle of the fairway fucking pissed off because you're taking forever. No, he's 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 slightly (laughs) kicking his ball forward ahead. (laughs) And then you hit the shot that just goes, oh, my, this will be remembered. You know, one of those. One One more part of that, John, is you have to have another club in your hand, and then you put that club back and pull out the the upside down foreiron. You're like, you know, you like one of those just fucking moments. He's, and it's like the guy, the guy standing there is like, Jim, is he going to do what I think he's going to do? You agree? Just I, I had to video it. Yeah, that would be his my shot. Would that be your shot? Remarkable today. It was awesome because he but like you split a couple trees with it, right? It was incredible. It was like perfect fucking. I mean, a perfect contact. What, would, is that what you would pick, or would you pick something else as your signature shot? Uh, I, I think down the stretch of a tournament, like 16, 17, 18, a sand shot that goes in yeah. is probably even better than a chip in. Because when you hit a stick and iron, I, I, I feel like we don't talk that much like, do you remember when uh, so-and-so hit the the seven iron from 175 yards? Like They just hit good shots. I think yeah. it's more a crazy long putt, like Tiger when he tied Rocco to go to the extras. You know, 18, you know, a 30-footer to go to extras, not even to win it, just to stay alive is always yeah. one, like, a March Madness shot. Like, he hits a three to make it to go to overtime. You could argue that's always that you making a long putt should be number one. You could argue that, yeah. How about Would Jerry you, Woodland chipping from on the green, on the green, like he did on 17 at Pebble? Th- those are cool. To, to me, the shot that he gets remembered for, though, probably be more 18 when he went yeah. at it after Kepka kind of had him on the ropes. But that right. shot's pretty rememberable. You, if you're going to win the tournament, typically, you, if it's a longer putt on 18, it's always get remembered. Like Phil's putt where he jumps up and that's now yeah. his logo. Yeah. Long what would you say Tiger's play. signature shot of his career is? The Masters chipping? I think that is the signature shot of my golf life, yeah. Did he have a signature shot? Really, his signature moments last year when he won the Masters were more other guys fucking up. Part of right? that, to his credit, part of that um, Masters chip and also was it hangs on the edge of the cup and becomes a Nike commercial. I the Rocco putt when he's like when it's kind of dark outside yeah. and he does the double fist pumps. I'd say it's probably um, one of those two. My last headline for you, John, just Monday, ten a.m. They're expecting twenty thousand people at Staples for Kobe's public memorial. So. Uh, I know they're telling people to stay out of downtown LA if they don't have tickets. So it should be a pretty big event Monday. 
Lakers beat the Celtics today. Bill uh, Russell I mean, was wearing like, a, a Kobe Bryant jersey. I saw Kevin Garnett was there. Is it? Do you think a lot of famous people are going to be there, or is it more just normal I people? I, you know, I don't know. At first, I thought maybe it was like a famous person thing, and now, I, I mean, I would expect so, though. It hit me. I, I went to the gym today, and I was walking in, and for some reason, oh, because the game was on in the background. I could see it in the kind of where they make food. They have a little restaurant. And then I saw the Lakers colors, and I was like, Kobe Bryant's dead. Sometimes they'll just hit me, and I'll be I like, know. that is insane. That is nuts. Might be the definitive death of our generation so far, athletically. Yep. All right. On that note, sucks. Sad. No, I know. It's it's. Uh, I've had many of those same moments. Like, oh my god, you see a picture, you're like for real. Mamba's gone. All right. Off to the combine. See ya. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.